I think the beauty of RPA is really the ability and flexibility to work with basically any process and any system. Welcome to Actualizing Success. In this podcast series, our in-house advisors discuss today's finance and technology topics with an emphasis on solutions that embrace tomorrow. Thank you for joining us today for the second episode of Actualizing Success podcast. If you joined us last time, we talked about digital mortgage transformations. This week, we have members of our Treasury and Capital Markets practice to discuss fintech, specifically robotics process automation. Our guest stars on the podcast today are director Priscilla Nagali and manager Kyle Ovalson. Priscilla and Kyle, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. Excited to be on my very first podcast. Exciting. Well, let's go ahead and get into the interview. First, I wanted to make sure our listeners have a good overview of exactly what fintech is. Kyle, could you explain what fintech means and the different types that exist? Sure. On a high level, uh, fintech we're generally referring to as improving financial activities of a firm. And generally, we're talking about just bringing operational efficiencies, enriching data, or enhancing security or, or something along those lines. The different flavors of fintech right now, I mean, in Treasury, we all know of TMSs. So that's like kind of our one-stop shop for many of our fintech needs in Treasury. But in the past few years, we hear about RPA, which provides automation on simple and repeatable tasks. So defining automation, automation means humans are not performing the task, and instead it's done by software scripts that emulate the human task. Those scripts, when executed, are commonly referred to in the biz as robots or bots. So you might hear me mention uh, robots or bots, and that's exactly what I'm talking about, just the script that performs the automation. Kind of the next level of fintech and the holy grail is when you're you're not touching your process, you're not touching the automation until very late in the stage. So we achieve this through machine learning, which is a subset of AI. And very basically, machine learning is a software that can extend past the initial programming and begin to program itself for the new data types or outliers in your process. So RPA can't do that on its own. It's very rigid. It's something that you program as a human and RPA performs it. But machine learning can, can build and grow as your, uh, your data set grows. As a firm, we're focusing on RPA just because the implementations tend to be quicker and there's less ongoing maintenance for, uh, for maintaining the RPA code was with machine learning, it's a bit more of an investment. It takes much more expertise. And you know, we're going to be focusing on RPA on this discussion today and um, most of our projects concerning FinTech today. Great. Thanks, Kyle. That's a really good overview. Can you also give some examples of how RPA has been successful and some of the benefits? Sure. Really, probably four main points here. So typical benefits of RPA, you know, when we're automating tasks that employees are doing, it's usually tasks that they don't want to do. It's just highly repeatable, very boring. And when someone, I know myself, is faced with a task like that, I might be losing focus, I'm multitasking, 
and human error is bound to happen. So with RPA, we eliminate that human risk and the, the robot just performs the task as it should be performed. And this is really twofold benefit, right? It's like we eliminate the human risk and we have happy employees because they're now able to focus on more value added processes for the firm. So the next piece is really time. So if that person is no longer performing that task, now they have time to do other things. And also the company does not have to pay that employee to do that task. It just has a robot and it's doing it in the background. So those are two very important pieces that our clients like the time savings and cost savings. And then we also hear about the scalability of RPA, right? So it might make sense for one of your employees to do a repeatable task, but if you add a ton of scope to that task, it might not be feasible for them to do it. Whereas with RPA, that's not really a hurdle that we need to jump. We just throw the added scope at it and it, it um, works 24 seven, no matter how long it takes to get the job done. So lastly, we just talk about security. So we wanna take our processes in, in treasury very seriously. A lot of times we're dealing with payments and high volumes. So if you're trusting your employee to do something where it's, it, it might be dealing with personal information or moving money, you know, we're worried about malfeasance, right? But if we have a robot doing these things, usually it gives the manager some peace of mind because we know that robot's going to first follow internal controls. And then secondly, it's not going to going to get creative and want to steal your money. So those are two very big points for security. And I think it should help during audit time, right? As long as you can explain to your auditors what it's doing, you can um, show them the steps it's performing and it, it should make audit go quicker. Those are the main benefits, I think, for RPA, carry. Great. No, thanks, Kyle. So what I'm hearing you is it's, it's going to help eliminate human errors. We're going to have uh, time and cost savings, and then we're also going to have better controls, which uh, makes a really good case for exploring RPA. So Priscilla and Kyle, can you also give me some common scenarios of RPA use? Sure. Hi, Carrie. Uh, so I think the beauty of RPA is really the ability and flexibility to work with basically any process and any system. So it, we, what we've seen, we have uh, used RPA, and Kyle will get more into details, but uh, we can get at, in, in one program, uh, you can be going into the ERP, the TMS, getting into bank portals and all within the same program, you're really collecting all that information, which just typically replicates a day in the life of someone in finance, right? So they're interfacing with multiple systems, they're working with multiple tasks and the, and the robot can really tie it all together. So that's, that's the beauty of it. You're not limited to any particular system or any particular process and it all comes together. But Kyle, if you want to give more details and examples. Yeah, I mean, just to kind of hammer it home, maybe we just talk about specific examples that I've dealt with in the past. And I think a lot of treasury professionals have dealt with in the past. So hot topic for a while is cash visibility. We're very used to host-to-host -host connections where we can get bank statements from our banks or maybe via the SWIFT network. But in some cases, some banks, they don't have that capability, right? Maybe they're just kind of a local bank. You have funds there, you have a time deposit there, and 
you want that information. But given their limitations, what do you do? So you could go out and hire a, a screen scraping company, or if you have RPA capabilities, we can have a robot log into a system and collect that information for you on a daily basis and upload it to wherever you need it. DMS, ERP, spreadsheet. So RPA can be that, that stopgap, you know, that little dike boy uh, plugging the holes in your process. Um, this is just one example. Uh, I have two more real use cases that I think a lot of people can resonate with. So second one here is reconciliations. So we're all faced with cash reconciliations. We want to see our forecasts and then the actuals that come in from our bank statements. And uh, usually there's some exceptions there, but that might be facilitated via the TMS or an ERP, but you might find yourself with one of those systems that doesn't really cut it. And this is where RPA can add a layer of enhancement to your data. So your TMS or ERP can perform the reconciliation it needs to, or RPA can just do the reconciliation if you don't have one of these systems. So how that would work is that RPA just goes to your data sources, it pulls your data sets, which is your forecasts, your actuals, and then it performs some kind of reconciliation via filtering, I call it, which we would mainly do just through Excel macros. So we build VBA, now the data is aggregated into a spreadsheet, the VBA is run with the bots execution, and then um, of course there will be some exceptions, but those exceptions can be communicated from the bot to the people responsible. So they would just deal with those exceptions. So the last and final example is a cash application. So this could be useful for a company that doesn't have a system in place that can, that can aggregate from many sources and it might not be able to read not yet digitized data, which a lot of times our remittance is. Um, but what RPA can do is it can aggregate those dispersed data sources and those various remittance formats. So PDF, email, you know, no matter what it is, RPA can take it and firstly aggregate it and then secondly digitize it. And to aggregate it, the bot would pull the different sources, collect to a centralized folder, which could be done by just logging in and uh, downloading something and then it it uploads to a different place, or it could be done by SFTP or API or a, a data scrape. So RPA can facilitate getting the remittance to one central location, and then it can also digitize it. So if we're faced with a, a PDF or an email, RPA would partner up with uh, another part of FinTech, OCR, Optical Character Recognition, pull out the data points it needs, and then populate that data in a data table. So once it's digitized, RPA can then just use that and then do what uh, the human would do in the ERP or wherever you perform your cash application. So it's pulling from that data table and then performing the application within the ERP. I mean, the possibilities are really endless for RPA, but those are just some big ones that we see our clients looking at. So if you're interested in pursuing this for your company, I would just focus on one or two. And then once implemented, you get used to these capabilities and what the software can do, and then you add as you can go. And we see the more you can add, obviously, the better ROI, because 
the costs of these RPA programs are predominantly fixed and they can support many processes. Thanks, Kyle. That sounds pretty exciting. And if I were a business owner of one of these processes, I would be very interested in getting started. What type of infrastructure is needed to start implementing RPA? Yeah, I think it's exciting too, Carrie. Um, so RPA mainly uses your existing infrastructure, but you will need a RPA software to power the automation. So once the software is decided upon, procured, you'll need someone to build those automation scripts that I talked about before. And if needed, depending on your process, you might need to integrate with your other enterprise applications. So let me just tackle each of those one by one. So building the scripts, the expertise needed to build the scripts doesn't take much more than like low to moderate coding capabilities. The RPA providers, they try to make it more user-friendly than your, your full-blown coding. UiPath comes to mind because they're just our provider for Actualize. That's who we use for our RPA. And I can attest, I have no coding experience, but um, the user interface with UiPath uh, to build the automation is fairly simple. If your company has no expertise, you know we here at Actualize are happy to help with that uh, automation building, but it, it could be something that you could source internally as well. But in regards to the integration points, typically your IT department is well aware of you know, SFPPs, APIs, and the different ways we pass data in between our applications. But if not, yeah, consultancy is there to help for that too. Now, how about ongoing expertise to maintain the RPA? What's needed there? I mean, like, like I said, the low to moderate coding is definitely a plus if you want to source this internally. But I will say that just given that a lot of our applications that we use do get updated, so RPA, it being fairly rigid, it will expect buttons in your applications or data to be in very specific places. If one of your applications decides to do an overhaul to the user experience, obviously the RPA script will need to change. That is what I mean by ongoing support. Like it, your script will evolve over time. And depending on if you have that expertise in-house that is used to these the RPA software, uh, it could be sourced internally. You know, but there are different arrangements that you can set up with your uh, consultant partner or your technical partner to service that maintenance going forward as well. All right, great. Well, thank you, Kyle, for that. Priscilla, can you tell our audience how they might get started, the first step in implementing RPA internally? Sure. Uh, so I think even more than getting straight to RPA is really identifying the processes to to automate, right? So if 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 the team is uh, would ideally they would just get uh, identify all the other processes and say, okay, well this is very manual. How can we enhance? But the the question of how can we enhance the it doesn't necessarily need to point to RPA. I think there we need to do an assessment of what systems they already have in place, and maybe and and uh, trust me, I say this all the time when someone is doing a process that could be easily moved to either the TMS or the ERP or any other already a system that they already have in house, but they're just not fully leveraging it. 
So once we do that and say, okay, well, this is really the best we can get out of the, the treasury system or the, or the accounting system, let's now look into RPA. So the, really the first step is identifying if the process is a candidate to RPA, if there is not a, another system in the house that can easily uh, process that function. Once the RPA is, um, is identified that we need an RPA, I, we would get into, into designing and taking a deeper dive into every single step because at the end of the day, the bot will replicate all those steps. So programming that is, a, is very detailed. So we almost need to shadow the, the user or the, the, the client to be able to replicate that. So I'll give a couple of examples where uh, we were able to identify an RPA was a good candidate. So every time um, the person would do, let's say, steps A, B, C on their day would be repetitive. So I always go to the bank portal. I always download this report. I always scratch, open this Excel file, and I run this macro. So it's if those steps are repetitive enough, RPA would, would work perfectly. Another example would be when it would always change. So for example, um, I would open my report and I need to go ask Sally if something, what's going on. So when you start involving different outcomes, that becomes a bit more of a candidate for machine learning rather than RPA. So I think that's the big distinction we talked earlier about both RPA and machine learning. So RPA is if you're repeating the task over and over that's a perfect RPA candidate. Now, if you need to incorporate some human factors, that wouldn't be an RPA um, candidate. But really the end goal is to always optimize your existing resources. That could be a combination of uh, a TMS, ERP, even a BI tool, right? Like uh, we, we talk about FinTech. So how, how great uh, reporting we can do out of a BI tool that people are still doing in Excel. So, Let's optimize first and then uh, layer in the RPA when the manual interaction is, is, is necessary and is repetitive. That is really good to know um, all of that information. And now, Priscilla, I'm assuming um, these are things that we would love anybody in the audience if they had questions. What would you say the first question they should ask internally before they get started with this? Uh, what are we really doing that is still manual? So that's and how how does the process looks like? So a little a little understanding of their day to day. That's really all it takes. Yeah, it's always good to go back and look at what you are doing with your processes, your systems. And uh, one of the tools that we use we like to use at Actualize is a health check and just going in and looking at where you are with your your data op day to day operations as well. Yeah, it's it's not uncommon that uh, you would have a tool, but it's just being underutilized. So that's why I said first, let's look at the tools that are available. Can we better utilize what is already on hand, and then layer in the RPA after that? And I would I would yeah, just add to that just before we close out, Carrie. But thinking about a process like end to end does not need to be fully automated by RPA. It's well, you could have a a semi automated where RPA does some. Um, some of the nasty business, and then the human comes in, cleans it up a little bit, touches, and then kicks off the script again. Like those are also solutions that you want to keep in mind. 
didn't want you to be, didn't want you listeners to think it, it had to be all or nothing. Yeah, that's a really good point as well. And where it makes sense to really look at your full processes and everything in your organization and see where you can have some of these efficiencies. Well, Priscilla and Kyle, thank you so much for the insights that you have provided today. I think that's all that we have time for. And thanks for kicking off our first Capital Markets and Treasury podcast. Of course, our pleasure. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Actualizing Success. Make sure to visit us online at www.actualizedconsulting.com where you can explore our service offerings. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or your preferred platform. If you've enjoyed what we talked about today, please consider leaving a review and following us on LinkedIn. Please send us a note at podcast at actualizedconsulting.com. We look forward to hearing from you.